Think back with me 2,000 plus years ago to the setting of our scripture today. Women in those days were more often than not pretty much ignored by society as a whole. And here this morning, there are two women as the center of our attention. The old traditional name for today, the fourth Sunday in Advent, is Mary Sunday. And traditionally, it has been shown by the pink candle in the Advent wreath, as we have here in our Advent um, wreath at St. Luke's. Many traditions only have four purple or blue candles in their Advent wreaths. But the pink does remind us of the significance of this particular Sunday and the momentous events that we are remembering this morning. I am not sure that either Elizabeth or Mary knew just how momentous these moment, this time was. Two cousins greeting each other. Actually, that's pretty mundane. This past fall, Bill and I made a visit to one of my cousins who I hadn't seen in several years. Our greetings were full of love and remembrance of years past. We caught up with each other, shared family news, and we all had a delightful time. There was nothing pretentious about our time together. And in anyone else's eyes, it would have been pretty mundane. And it was. It was only important to those of us who was there. Mary and Elizabeth were two cousins greeting each other. And on the surface, it may have seemed pretty mundane. But history proves that greeting was anything but mundane. Mary's first words provoked an immediate, although silent, response from the baby in Elizabeth's womb. John leaps inside his mother when he heard Mary's voice. Now those of us who have carried babies within us know that at six months pregnant, it would be very normal to feel the baby move around. In fact, For first pregnancies, it is usually not until the fifth or the sixth month that the mom is aware of the baby's movements. But it's usually closer to delivery that the baby does any calisthenics that the mom might classify as leaping. In my research for this, and being a mother of three, I found it very interesting that Many of the sources were men who were trying to play down the significance of John leaping in his mother's womb when he was just, she was just six months pregnant. They were trying to disprove that he was actually reacting to Mary's words, or maybe even reacting to the presence of the babe within Mary, or that the Holy Spirit just might have prompted his leap. Luke and these men, these men very obviously had never been pregnant and had never experienced that kind of movement. Luke, the writer of the gospel, 
that we read this morning was a doctor. And I'm pretty sure he included John's leaping because it was and still is unusual for an unborn child to leap at six months. Flutters, yes. Leaping, no. This was the greeting of two very happy mothers. One, Elizabeth, had been barren and was beyond childbearing age. Being barren in biblical times, according to an entry in Easton's Bible Dictionary, was accounted as a severe punishment. There are several scriptures, some of them are in Genesis, 1 Samuel, Isaiah, Luke, um, and Judges, that speak to the cultural stigma of barrenness. There are many instances of barren women in the Bible, and in these, it is clear that it was God who closed their wombs, and it was he who opened them up again. Some of these stories are probably very familiar to you. There's a story of Abraham and Sarah. Sarah laughed when she heard the angel telling Abraham that she would bear him a son. Abraham also laughed. And indeed, the meaning of the name Isaac is laughter. He will laugh. I mean, really. A man of a hundred years and a woman of 90 having a baby? I bet all of you out there in your 70s, 80s, or 90s would also laugh if you found that you were expecting a baby. Abraham fell face down and laughed and laughed and said to himself, Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And then there is a story of Hannah going year after year to the house of the Lord. Hannah would pray to conceive. 1 Samuel 1.10 tells the story. Hannah was praying very intensely, so much so that Eli the priest thought she was drunk, which she denied, and told him that she was praying out of her great anguish, and grief. Eli said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Back now to the happy scene at Elizabeth's home. Elizabeth exclaimed to Mary, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. So, who did not believe what was spoken to him by an angel? Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah. That's who. And how did Elizabeth know that an angel even spoke to Mary? Because Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how. Now, did Elizabeth go down to the local bookstore and find all, a whole bunch of books on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Did she go through all sorts of spiritual hoops to be filled with the Holy Spirit? No. In Scripture it says she remained in seclusion for five months. 
even though scripture doesn't tell us, I suspect that most of that time was spent in prayer and in seeking the Lord, focusing on him. She said that the Lord has done this for me. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. What an incredible response. Of course, she probably knew scripture well enough to know the stories of Sarah and Hannah. But many women that I know would not only be in shock, but would be embarrassed at being pregnant at an advanced age. And I suspect they would have spent the five months of seclusion in self-pity and anger. Can't you hear their thoughts or even their verbal responses? The first being, what will everyone think? Our daughter Amy has an 11-month-old, and she was 47 when Caroline was born. You wouldn't believe some of the rude responses both her friends and our friends made to her pregnancy. Surprise was a common response from most, and not all of the responses were rude. There were some who responded with joy and with expressions of blessings. I suspect that there was an element of rudeness when others heard of Elizabeth's pregnancy. You know, there were gossips in that day. Gossip is not a new sin. It's been around ever since Adam and Eve took a bite of that apple. But I suspect these five months were a time of growth in Elizabeth's faith in God. Her focus on God made her an open door for the Holy Spirit to fill her and give her that response to Mary's visit. The last line in Elizabeth's greeting says a whole lot. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Now, that could be taken as a rebuke of her husband, but Luke says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when she spoke. So I think there was no rebuke of Zechariah, but positive reinforcement for Mary and of her response to the angel Gabriel and his message to her. But did you notice Elizabeth's response to me, in Elizabeth's response to Mary's visit? That it is Elizabeth who honors Mary. In the culture of that day, elders were revered and honored by the young. Remember, Mary is only was only about 14 years old. But I've known 14-year-olds who only have disdain and derision for their elders. And before Mary even has a chance to speak, Elizabeth is giving God's blessing on Mary and the babe in her womb. Blessing an unwed mother and the baby she is carrying. Mary's response is one of the most beautiful responses in scripture. 
Although there is another response that is very similar. The response of Hannah that is recorded in 1 Samuel, the second chapter. And I'm going to read it to you. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by night does one prevail, by might does one prevail. The Lord, his adversary, shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of the anointed. Hannah's response to her son is hidden with and under Mary's song. Let's look at these two responses. Both Hannah's and Mary's responses begin with praising God and rejoicing in the joy that God has brought to them. The word rejoice is used in both of their songs. They both talk about God keeping his promises to those who are lowly. Hannah says, The bows of the mighty are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. While Mary says, For he has looked on the lowliness of his servants. They both talk of what God has done for them. It is not the presidents and the kings and those mighty and powerful that God regards. It is the lowly and humble of heart. An early translation of this reads, For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. These two women were very lowly. Hannah was the second wife, and she was barren, unable to conceive. And her first husband's wife tormented her, because she was unable to give Elkanah any children. Mary, a young, unwed, soon-to-be-a-mother, of whom many sources have said that one reason she did go to visit her cousin 
was because her pregnancy was beginning to show. And the punishment for fornication was the same as it is for adultery, stoning to death. But Mary, in her song, does not show any signs of fear. Both she and Hannah exhibit gratefulness for what God has done for them. But not only for what he has done for them, but for what he is going to do through them. For Hannah, her son Samuel would be a great man of God and a prophet. And for Mary... Her son was to be born according to the promise made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants. Both women are telling us not just what God is doing for them, but also what he is doing through them for God's people. Their song should be our song this third, fourth Sunday in Advent. As we have been preparing for the coming celebration of the babe in Bethlehem, let us, too, sing in thanksgiving and celebration of the promise made of old. Let us join Hannah, Mary, and Elizabeth in unadulterated joy in the celebration of that which is to come, the promises that come to us in and through Jesus. Let us raise our voices in a great magnifying crowd to our God. A great magnifying cry, excuse me, to our God. Today we have looked at two women who had no real place in society. An elderly, pregnant woman whose husband had held a place of respect in the community, but had literally lost his voice, was unable to speak because of his disobedience, his disbelief in what the angel had told him. And a very young, pregnant, out-of-wedlock woman who believed and welcomed what the angel had told her. Oh, I doubt if Hannah... Elizabeth or Mary really knew knew or understood exactly what God was going to do through the births of their sons. But one thing we know for sure is that God uses the extraordinary and unexpected to accomplish his plan, to shower us with his goodness and mercy. Now, how about you? Where is God using you to accomplish his plan? Where is he using you to shower others with goodness and mercy? God has called you through the songs of these women. He has called you to sing, to shout for joy, trusting in his promise of salvation to his people through the birth, life, and death of his son, Jesus, the Messiah, the babe of Bethlehem. Please pray with me. Lord, we ask that you speak to our hearts as you fill them with the excitement 
as the coming celebration of the Christ child is upon us. Prepare our hearts for the joy he has for us and let us share that joy with our families, friends, and even with the shopkeepers we meet as we expectantly finish the preparations for this greatest of celebrations. Let us rejoice with Mary and Elizabeth as they rejoiced with you. And if there are any here who have not experienced the joy that the Christ child brings, we pray that they will invite you into their hearts as we look forward to this coming celebration. In your holy and precious name, amen.